Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Andrew Bartram and Sveen Olaf Humberset. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Simon. Hello, Sveen. Hello. Right, first off, I just want to say thank you to Borat uh, Peterlin of Top Ship Photography uh, for being our guest on the, uh, the the last podcast. I didn't think I was going to say that again, but I <laughs> I, I, I had to. Um, and um, yeah, so um, uh, Borat, it was uh, an absolute pleasure having you on with us. And um, and actually, I'm going to start us off on a slightly down note um, because I've just watched um, Borat's latest uh video um and it's uh it's a farewell uh, to mike his dog and it's uh i mean it's two minutes and 30 seconds or so of uh, very emotional viewing um so uh, yeah it's a tough watch but it's uh yeah it's well it's well worth watching as well so uh um so yeah it's uh hope you're uh doing okay boris and um and thanks for sharing uh uh, those 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 thoughts and last last moments with Mike. Um, so let's uh, let's move on and uh, and find out what Andrew's been up to. Aren't you going to ask me what the weather's like in War Boys? No, no. We've, we don't we don't do that on the Classic Legends podcast. No, either. I know. We've, we've actually. Oh, got have you stopped that? We seem to have done. Yeah, it's ages since <coughs> I've asked Johnny what the weather in Chicago's like. So uh, there you mm. go. Well, maybe you should start it up again. He's probably missing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's not much has happened since I last spoke to you. Um, well, in fact, that was yesterday. But in terms of the show, what have I been up to? I've been reading quite a lot. Um, I've been making, I've been exposing some film. Um, not a sheet of large format film, I have to say. I've been in the darkroom making some lith prints. And what else? I've been, oh, uh, I've written a blog post. And I've got some more pictures I scanned from an Olympus trip, which is not also not large format. And I'm going to make a blog post for that as well. So I like making blog posts. It gives me, it gives me an outlet for those images that you kind of accumulate, and you think, well, what am I going to do with those? I, you know, they they may be not anything I want to print, or they could be color, and yet they maybe tell a bit of a story in, in a way that individual images don't um don't speak to me so i've got a series from a trip to liverpool um and any the one or two images are quite strong a lot of them are quite kind of boring but together they tell us a story of the day and so a blog post i think is a is a good way to um, put that together even if it's just for my own sanity and no one reads it but a few people read it yeah. I, th- I think there's there's definitely something there's a lot to be said for that um, because I mean I've, I've certainly heard it said that when you you understand something when you write about something that's not necessarily about just photography or art or or anything but yeah, mm. writing writing about something or teaching about something that enables you to learn more about what it is that you've done and yeah um, and get the get get the word out there really isn't it yeah the big one I'm which I'm holding off doing because I've got so many images and I've alluded to it um, online a couple of times. I spent my first two weeks of uh, lock, when I was properly locked down due to thinking I was ill, um, I, I dug out my Diana F, so not one of the original Dianas, although I do have one of those, the, the one with a flash. And I stuck a roll of um, Portra 160 into it and started shooting around the house of all kinds of mundane stuff. And then I, as the weather improved, I started just venturing into the garden and, 
Julie was doing stuff out there, and I, I, I started shooting with that, and I developed the first role, and I really liked the result, the kind of quirky results, and I've, I've now got sixty scanned images, telling a t- two-week story of the mundane, and they're all shot through this Diana F, which I'd not really used before, and I had everything was set on the on the closest setting. Most of them have areas that are in focus, um, but t- it. I've been thinking of the words to go with the images, and I and I think it's going to be really, it's going to be really kind of cathartic for me for those periods and for this whole period to try and look at life through this kind of distorted lens. The colours aren't quite there; everything's a bit odd, you know. The normal suddenly becomes the abnormal, and I think those pictures are speaking to me in a way that sort of um, expresses how I was feeling in that time. So I want to make a blog post of that, but really what I want to do is edit them a little bit and make my first uh, zine because I've not done one of those. So that's another little project for me, which makes me happy. Yeah. So, Serene, you know, I mean, you're you're very much uh, project driven. Do you do you write about your your work as well as uh, create zines and things? Um, no, I, I I try to stay away from it because. Uh, for me, there is a reason why I do photography, and uh, that's partly because I can't do anything else pretty pretty well. So the writing is just horrible for me. Uh, writing about my own work, writing about cameras or reviews or anything, it's just it doesn't work at all. So that's me. <laughs> yeah. it, I, I, I get where you're coming from because I'm, I'm pretty much the same um and you could argue part of that is dyslexia but that's not i don't think that's really uh, a good enough reason because i you know i can get onto a computer and i can i can type things out that people can understand and get my spellings right and all that kind of stuff um but i do sometimes find there's a there's a huge mental block uh for me to do things and um actually that's uh uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump head slightly about something that I've I've been up to, and uh, and I've I was asked uh, to write a forward uh, to a uh, photo book which I've talked about before on the, on the show, um, and it's called The Unknown Spain, and um, oh and I've forgotten the chap's name I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll remember his name at at, uh, at some point, um, but so uh, what's it called Simon The Unknown The Unknown Spain actually I'm just gonna what, as in as in the country yeah. Yeah, I'm just grabbing the uh, the book now, and the the copy I, the copy I have is uh, a German, mainly German language, um, and it was sent through uh, to me. And I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find the email now. And uh, is this where the author refers to you as the knowledgeable Simon Forster? <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I've got knowledgeable and large format photography yeah, used in the same sentence. Um, I don't know if he's removed that bit now, but um, um, let's see. Um, I should have I should have had this. Chris Holland. I knew his name was Chris. I couldn't quite remember his surname, but uh, yeah, Chris Chris Holland um, is a chap behind a, a website. And uh, and he's digitised. Um, I don't know if it's if it's all of it or certainly most of the pictures in this uh, this this photo book it was taken um, during the First World War, and it was a German photographer um, Heisler uh, going through uh, Spain, uh, documenting just ordinary life, and it's uh, and it's it's an absolutely fascinating book. But the um, 
but the the point I'm making where that uh, that that Savina's uh, set me off is um, is that I've when I was asked to write a forward uh, for it, I was thinking, yeah, I, I think I know what I need to write, but to actually get to the point of actually writing it, it was it was really really tough for me, and. And it wasn't until uh, Chris had written in uh, to the Classic Lenses podcast and mentioned it, and I had to read a th read something out on the show, thinking, "Well, I'm going to have to do something now because this podcast is going out, and I've already mentioned that I've written the forward, so therefore I've got to do it." So sometimes I have to put a huge amount of pressure on myself to do anything like that, and that's ex exactly uh, what happened there. So I, I managed to knock, knock this forward up in uh, a relatively short period of time, and Chris was happy with it. So so happy with it. It's it's out there now. And um, and I'm going to try and find the website. It's on. Here we go. It, it, he um, he managed to snag a really good website uh, for it as well uh, because it's uh, just large dash format dash photography dot org. And uh, really, and if you, yeah. And if you get if you exactly, yeah, he was quite surprised to get it himself. And uh, so uh, so he's got that. And then you you'll uh, you'll find that. And then if you go to the intro page. Um, it's got uh, Simon Forster, host of the large format photography uh, podcast, was so kind to provide a knowledgeable introduction to this subject. So there, there you go. Um, um, well, Chris thought I was knowledgeable, and that's that's very nice. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate that. Um, but I do urge you to go out and uh, take a take a look at that, as it's uh, it's a it's a pretty fascinating book. So I'm sorry, I've just I've just completely derailed uh, things there, but I, I felt I had to get that. No, out. it's what you've mind. been up. It's what you've been up to, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one but you've things. been buying cameras as well, haven't you? I know you've been buying cameras, or at least a camera. Well, well, yeah. I was just going to say, have you? Have I? Because I, I cut you off in your prime there a little bit. Have you got any other things that you wanted to say that you've been up to, or, or me? Yeah. No, no, no. no okay. I've finished. Okay. Um, well, yes, um, it, it's a it's it's a it's a well-known fact that we've established uh, many times on this show that uh, the more cameras you have, uh, the better the photographer you are. Um, yes. Or you keep buying cameras as a reason to not go out and make any pictures. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I might have got that wrong. Um, it's quite it's quite possible. Um, I did that with lenses once, and I'm doing it with large format cameras. It seems um, because since the last show, I've I've still not taken any photographs. I've still not fixed um, the micro, the MPP micro press cameras um, bed, uh, which all I need to do is just take a few screws out and put them back in the right order, and I think it'll be okay. Um, but instead of doing that, I bought a camera instead uh, because that's that's obviously the thing that needed to be done. And I bought a Kodak Specialist Model B, and it's fantastic. I mean, I, I just I just love the engineering of cameras. Anyway, at the end of the day, they're just just fantastic objects. Um, but I I picked this one up. It's uh, it's a it's a physical auction that I couldn't physically go to, and uh, and it's a half plate camera. Um, I was hoping that it might actually be a, a seven by five, um, but uh, but no, it, it's 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 half plate and it's also got a reducing back that goes down to three. Uh, is it three and a quarter by two and a quarter? I can never quite remember the uh, size. Is it which one is it? Is it three and a quarter? Um, pass. Yeah, three and a something by two and a. Something. You mean the, the knowledgeable Simon Forster? <laughs> know the answer to that question. <coughs> well, you would. The, well, the thing is that technically, as we've established, isn't actually large format. You see, so that's why I don't know the answer to that. Oh, it's near enough. <laughs> yeah, it's near enough. Yeah. Well, what's the size? 
that's the thing. It's uh, three and a quarter by two and a quarter, I think, or something and three quarters. Oh, we're not going to reopen that argument, Sveen, about what's large format and what isn't. No, we, we don't really. We don't really care. No, I was. Uh, I was thinking, what's the what's the size in centimeters? Because I don't understand the the quarter and the and the oh, right. thing. Uh, yeah, we were having this discussion off air about photographic paper, and I was talking about my standard size of nine and a half by twelve. It's going to be and Sveen, Sveen wanted to talk to me about centimeters. Well, th- I think three three inches is about 75, uh, 75 mil, I think. Um, so a bit more mm-hmm. than that. So about maybe about eighty millimeter wide on on the long on the long side. Okay, so you you need to cut. There is no film for it, or you can you can actually get some film. Eight, um, actually, the second mention for AG Photographic, um, they've they've got uh, they've got some film. I think I, I can't remember if it's they've got some FP four, I think in that size. I oh, mean, okay. it's 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 virtually a, uh, you can get backs uh, for for the cameras mm. that are meant to take that size and, and use one twenty film on them normally, um, which I suppose you could do with this, but it's it'd just be ridiculous. But the thing is massive because it's it's a half plate camera and half plate is is a, a smidge um, smaller than seven by five, but it is definitely smaller than seven by five because I've had the tape measure on there and it will not do seven by five. It's about six by six um, in inches at least. Sorry, Sveen. Um, okay. <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big beast of a camera and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's made of wood and, but it's it's come with its uh, with its case, but it's also come with uh, proper, uh, relatively modern film holders as well. Because when I've seen half plate cameras in the past, uh, they've usually been mahogany things, and uh, whereas these are you know you know recognisable as relatively modern uh, double dark slide uh, film holders. So, uh, mm. uh, but you can get you can, again AG AG photographic have got uh, pan in half plate and it's yeah. this it's the same size uh, sorry the same price i should say as uh is seven by five film you know it's, it's slightly smaller than seven by five um but it's uh um it's 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 the same price and i'm now uh, beginning to think i might have to have a go at it i keep um well i don't keep because I've, I've got to stay away from ebay but when i've been on ebay in recent weeks i've looked at some um you know some of the plate cameras quarter plate half plate cameras and and i think well you know you jason lane makes his dry plates for it and i wasn't aware that ag photo sold some film that would fit one of those uh, but it's it, there's there's some nice nice cameras out there i'm not i'm not uh, an expert by any means but i've just from what i can see they you know there are some even on ebay there's some quite reasonably priced cameras which would give you a way in you know to large format Mm. photography well, there's, just there's, that the film is not so readily available as or the choice of film perhaps isn't so readily available well the, the, the surprising thing about this one to me was the fact that <clears throat> it is relatively modern and still half plate uh, mm. because this camera was made in the 50s you know and yeah. uh, in in my my little mind I, I thought that half plate would have got died out after the first world war or something like that because when you when you type in half plate cameras they're always you know, uh, brass mahogany uh, with a with maybe a Thornton Picard shutter on the front of them. Mm. Mm. But well, is... Gandolfi were making probably still making half plate cameras um, until certainly into the sixties and seventies. There's 
couple of documentaries with them making, uh, ha- you know, making their cameras. So I think those brothers, the Gandolfi brothers, were were still probably making them into that period of time. Mm. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a it's a hefty uh, piece of kit, and it's got a it's got a, a Kodak Ektar. Uh, lens on it which always makes me happy because i like ektar lenses mm-hmm. um, and what are you going to do with this camera then uh, um well, you've got the other one sorry but you've got the other one that that i had sitting down by my desk for a long time and uh you know you you seem to have more cameras now than fingers it does seem that way <laughs> um that the 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 old one which of, mm. of, that we don't actually know who who made it but um i've i, I called it harold uh quite some time ago um and uh I, st- I still haven't had the nerve to use that one, much in the same way as you didn't have the nerve to use it, although uh, you've now put some film in it and some extra well, film in it. Did I actually load? I'm not sure I loaded it. Oh, no, a... you didn't, did you? No, I've given you the film. I cut some x-ray film down, Yeah. a dozen sheets or so, and they're in a black bag with the camera. Yeah, and still there, right next to the camera. Well, that makes me feel a bit better because I felt a bit guilty about not doing anything with it because I was scared. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I was scared of breaking it because I know you'd showed me how to. Yeah, it's a bit. Um, it's a. It's a bit yeah. rickety. Definitely. The shutter. The shutter. I was scared about breaking. To be honest. Yeah. Well, not having access to the six times dark room is, is is part of my excuse for not doing anything with it at the moment. So mm-hmm. I can't can't really load it very easily. So, uh, but no, I, I do I do want to use it. Um, much as like I want to use all my cameras, um, and. I don't know. I see. I do seem to be more likely to use this, and I think if I do actually end up getting, you know, shelling out for some half plate film, um, I think it's about sixty five pounds for a hundred on foam a pound one hundred. So okay. uh, that's that's pretty damn reasonable, really, for the size of the negative. And mm-hmm. I can three D print a, a negative holder to go in the Devere seven by five and larger that we've got, which mm-hmm. one day I'll be able to use again. Um, so there's there's no real reason for me not to try it now. Um, I can even develop it with my uh, combi plan stuff, I think. So, um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll 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 get there. We'll take photos again. Well, thanks for that, Simon. I, I think uh, you've um, got far too many cameras, and you need to stop it now. I think you buy them because uh, you think you're going to sell them, don't you? Or maybe you think you're going to use them. I don't know, but you justify the purchase on the basis that you're a f- photographic dealer of uh, yeah. hubcap hubcaps or something. Um, so, yeah, well, we we think a lot about photography in these days of lockdown. So, Sveen, in these days of lockdown, what's, um, what have you been up to since we last spoke to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, not much, really. I, I, uh, I haven't done any photography. It's, I, I had one trip where I just uh, I saw the weather forecast and, and just planned to take a half a day at this mountain and... Uh, when I got there, it was just clear blue skies, and and uh, particularly this mountain is don't have any trees or anything on it. So uh, after the first sort of five minutes, there were nothing left to shoot. So it sort of ended up being a non-photographic trip, and uh, that was the the trip I had where I listened to the um, the episode with with Borut. And uh, that made me sort of chill out about the whole thing about mm-hmm. coming home with sort of four four images on a on a one twenty roll, and I I was totally fine with it after after listening to to Bart and realizing that uh, 
even though I just sort of have a half a day every now and then, I can't sort of I can't create a masterpiece in half a day. So I just have to relax about the the process and just just take my time and and enjoy it and sort of stress as little as possible when it comes to photography. So. So that's the only photography that I've done, uh, but I've prepared a lot for other stuff, other projects. I've tried to paint my own background um, for some still life in order to... Is that that house you painted? No. <laughs> no we, 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 of course, we decided to, to paint the house too on top of everything. So, But, but I, I just found two sort of uncut mat boards and just uh, put one on the table and one on the... Uh, taped one to the wall and I just started with acrylic paint just lay the first base coat of black and then I'm sort of going to build up some contours and textures and with gray and and uh, some clay and um, just going at it just see what it does on black and white film with some tilts and some shifts and some some grain and some loveliness so I have no idea what I'm going to photograph, but uh, I had this uh, idea in my head that I, since I don't know, I just I should just photograph everything, uh, and then just see what looks cool uh, after I develop it. So, I'm a, bit con- I'm a bit confused. That's okay. <laughs> Which is a normal state of affairs for me, to be honest. <laughs> after talking um, to me, <laughs> no, I just go through life being slightly confused. I uh, I played a character once in uh, my la- my last dramatic outing as a stage actor. Uh, I played a character that was so close to my uh, normal state of being that uh, I found it very easy. Somebody was just didn't really understand much and was confused all the time. So what you you, you need to just describe this thing that you've been painting. It, it, are you built? Are you building like a a model of something to photograph, or is this meant to be a backdrop to? put things into photograph oh yeah yeah it's meant to be a backdrop uh but um i don't want it to be like a pure color i want it okay i want there to be some sort of texture so for instance if i uh if i photograph something very small uh if i find a i don't know a lego figure or whatever i can sort of uh, um i can build up some contours and textures in the um in the background and uh, see if when I shoot it on a large format um, with uh, with tiny tiny depth of field if if those contours in the background sort of resembles mountains because my subject uh, is so small I don't know I have to I have you to can, test it. Um, you can play I tell you what you can play with uh, Ben Ben Horn certainly spoke about it um, you can employ a bit of back tilt if your camera this brings us on to what camera you're using bit of back tilt uh, i think if you're tilting it uh, towards you it makes the image um with a bit of other focusing manipulation it alters the uh, uh the relative size in the viewfinder of the thing that's close to you so it, it makes it more dominant so it'll make your lego yeah. soldier appear bigger but you can you can play yeah, it's fun. There's a, there's lots of YouTube videos out there. I'm sure we spoke about these in the early days about him photographing. The one I always remember watching is the guy in his studio who was using a um, 
a monorail camera because obviously that's something with a whole bag of different movements and very useful in the in the in the studio. And he was photographing as an exercise on YouTube a, a cornflake box or a cereal box, and using that shape, demonstrating how using the um, Scheinflug principle, you can uh, you know you can get all planes of focus. Um, you can get all sides of the box uh, in, in in focus by various camera movements. So you know, yeah, it's good to play. I, think, I, I tend to do all that playing out in the field, really. I can't, I haven't really got a lot of patience for still life, to be honest. Well, I, I sort of, I've watched so many YouTube videos, but I've, I haven't done any sort of actual learning myself. So I think that's probably one of my biggest issues is that I have quite a lot of sort of theoretical knowledge, but I don't have any practical. I, I don't use the, I don't use those techniques in the field because maybe I don't remember uh, how to or uh, or the scene doesn't call for it. So it's it's. Uh, I think it will be good for me to sort of have a still life and and have one sheet where I do this and and I do something else on the next sheet and then I uh, if I photograph something bigger than a Lego piece maybe like a a box of biscuits or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, I can imagine uh, if this company uh, someday wants to break out on the norm and have an advertising that is completely different than anything else on the market. Uh, and so they call me. Uh, so I sort of imagine that and then I try to do my black and white large format movements with contours and smoke and, and my homemade background, etc. And so it's just a, it's a fun experiment to both learn about the, the principles uh, uh, and the movements and then sort of uh, maybe ending up with some future ideas. Uh, I don't think that a box of biscuits will sort of sp uh, spur something else, but but I don't know. My, my well, place it, placing it at um, forty-five degrees, you know, so the corners facing you is a really good exercise. Then for trying to um, adjust your plane of focus to follow the line of the wording, say on the side of the side yeah. of the box. So it's it's um, you know if you if you playing around with those sort of things is 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 uh, is very instructive. I'm for most of my photography. I don't know about about you, Simon, but if I. I'm out in the landscape with large format, which is largely what I'm using it for. Um, most of my images, there's a, a, a small amount of front tilt yeah. just to ensure front to back sharpness. And when I, uh, and then I just have to adjust focus again and I just fiddle with it until everything's sharp from front to back. Uh, and that's, that's largely it. Sometimes then if I've got a building, I'll, and I'm standing obliquely to it. I'll try and get the film. You can move the film plane to try and be in line with the the, the building, or or you can swing the front lens in the direction of the angle of the building, and and then see how that affects the plane of focus. And then, if you want to, you can try and visualize that as uh, you know, in terms of where the Scheinflug principle. We'll get your books out and go back to school. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm largely largely the same as the, as yourself there, except I, I probably don't do any swing at all. Um, yeah, so um, it's just just a little bit of, um, of of front, but I think the I've just got uh, Sveen's uh, Flickr page in in front of me at the moment, and and you looking at the photographs I see on there, they are straight on photographs i don't think i'd even use any any front tilt any at all on those photographs so it could be something to do with just the the type of subject matter that you're you're, you're taking Sveen. but certainly i think that you i think as an exercise doing um still life is is, is incredibly useful because you know those of us and i absolutely count myself in there those of us that are, have got a, a bit of an idea about what these 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 camera movements are doing um, if when you start doing still life and anything that's 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 close to the camera, then you 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 have to use uh, movements. Otherwise, you're you're just going to end up with things that are out of focus that you want to be in focus. Um, and so it gives you a a, a great uh, um, opportunity, if you like, to learn um, your movements um, in a in a very controlled way. I mean, you can take take the shot, take notes of how, what what movements that you had. I mean, you could even put something in the photograph um, to say what it is that you're doing in the camera, um, just to to give you that aid memoir when you're actually um, developing your, your 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 photos to actually see. Well, okay, what did I do in this shot? Oh, it tells me because I've got I've actually got it in the photograph to actually read. Um, so that's a that's an, another way. Uh, for which I'm, so I'm now thinking that sounds like a good idea. Uh, I might do that. Now I've come up with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did some film testing where I I had, at first I didn't do that, and then I had to sort of remember the order of in the tanks and the, the bottom film is this, and that when I hanged it, I have had to write on the clip uh, what, what just to keep everything uh, correct. Of course, if you have uh, a piece of paper where it says Fomapan 400, Rodinol 1 plus whatever, in the frame, you don't have to think about anything. You just develop them all, stand, develop, and, and then just look at the images. Yeah. I mean, there's, so. there's, a, there's always a feeling that, well, it's like wasting a photograph. Um, and I think it's, it's, if, you, if you do have that, that feeling, well, we just don't. Uh, because ultimately it's it's about gaining knowledge and every time we take a photograph a, a, you know, a conventional photograph something that we 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 plan to take and so on um it's still uh it's still part of a learning experience when you actually see the photograph how it's actually come out and finished um you know we'll we'll look at the photograph and we'll analyze it and, and we'll know yeah that worked or it didn't work and so you're still thinking about these photographs after you've after you've taken a conventional photograph so by putting that information in, in front of you it's just it's just speeding up that learning process isn't it yeah and it, it, it oh, i'm thinking that this uh i i want to be i want to have a body of work of still life images sometime uh, in the future but i have no idea how and what's going to look like and and what's the subject matter and and stuff but uh, so I can either just sort of do conventional landscape photography for years and then just suddenly have an epiphany and then do a still life project. Or I can slowly, like when there, whenever there's a pandemic, I can sort of bring out the monorail and, mm. 
and sort of use the time that I that I have and and just try new stuff. And and, uh, and I imagine that when I try some movements, um, I bet you I'm going to uh, get an idea um, after I see the images of how to sort of uh, implement that in landscape photography or portraits or, or whatever down the road. And so for me, it's just a learning experience. And actually the, 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 the worst thing that can happen is that I sort of hit the nail on the head on the first try and, and get something amazing mm. because <laughs> then I would just have that amazing image in my mind uh, from that point on. Uh, and I don't sort of don't want, don't want that yet. I want to work on it. I want to work on, I want to do like 50, 50 sheets maybe before I sort of see where I want to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always scared of taking a great photograph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially when you don't know why and how or when and what you did. And if it's just a coincidence, then it, that just sucks. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not very good at taking notes out in the field. I, I have to say, um, I have I have kept notebooks in the past, um, but mm, I, I just don't have the discipline really. And to yeah. be honest, if the negative is 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 made in a way that allows me to go in the darkroom and then complete the vision then it's just another step in the process. And yeah, I know it's, I should be able to repeat it all. And by and large, I do manage to repeat stuff. And I find it's because I use so few different materials, really, that makes it a bit easier. And I just kind of remember stuff. But um, certainly in the early days, I tried, I tried to do some film testing and, you know, determining your proper exposure index and where your blacks are and where your zone fours and threes are and i've done all that stuff and and i kind of given up now really to be honest and i still use i still use all that stuff but in a much simplified version uh, so i'm i'm a bit of a, a bit of a um i don't know what the word is you know I'm not, I'm not very disciplined when it comes to taking notes and working in a, in that kind of systematic way you know people produce all these lovely field notes for how you're going to develop the film, and I do actually. Having said that, I, I on a trip to um, to World War One battlefields two or three years ago, I uh, you know you have to you have to shoot in the conditions sometimes that you're you're give, you're presented with, and I didn't want to go to these World War One battlefields and not come away with some with some pictures, and the project kind of developed as I was there for the three or four days with a friend, and. Uh, but the contrast range was quite extreme. So on a number of those, I did find myself in the evening taking the film out of the dark slides and putting them in boxes marked up for, you know, pulling the development back a bit to try and control the, uh, um, try and con- control the highlights. So that's the benefit of large format photography. You can, you can treat individual images. So that's about as systematic as I ever get is maybe separating or making a note um on either on the dark slide itself or the film holder um or in a notebook saying actually this picture i've just made i need to just either use a compensating developer or cut back on the developing time and uh, and that's about as far as i go when i'm in the field with note taking 
silence. So we're processing. <laughs> processing my words of wisdom. <laughs> well, I, I think this is a, a, a good time to give Sveen a, a proper introduction. And yes, uh, is, yeah, yeah, and uh, I've got my um, my my notes in front of me that Andrew has written for me uh, on this, right. and yeah, What's and uh, and it says that um, that Sveen is uh, a notable photographer from somewhere in one of those Scandinavian countries. <laughs> I don't know which one; they're all the same. Um, <laughs> um, Sounds like something I would have said. It, it, funnily enough, I think you did. Um, so, um, so, so yes. Yeah, so now, now that we know that where where Sveen is from exactly, um, then uh, something else has um, uh, come into my mind as well. Uh, that uh, Sveen is uh, um, one. He was originally the host, and now he's a co-host um, of a podcast called Viewfinder Vikings, which he co-hosts with um, Ian Barnaby Nutt, and. It, it's uh, it's it's a it's a very interesting podcast because it's very different um, from uh, most podcasts that are out there because it's very much uh, project driven and um, and it's it's a, it's a very interesting listen and uh, and both Andrew and I um, have guest starred uh, <laughs> on this uh, on this podcast in, in in the past and I do actually hold Sveen uh, partially responsible. I think is is the best best phrase. It's uh, partially Sveen's fault um, that um, that Andrew is um, the, the does this podcast uh, because I remember listening to Andrew when he went on there um, and he was talking about large format and he sounded very knowledgeable and um, and he came, Little did you know <laughs> exactly that's, yeah I was thinking that's because he was in my company <laughs> that's it exactly so uh, so. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, as a, as a result of uh, enjoying that particular episode, uh, that was one of the reasons why mm. I got in, got in touch with Andrew. And uh, so um, so so Sveen, um, it's it's great to have you on the show. And uh, and perhaps you might want to just give uh, our listeners a bit a bit of a idea about who who you are and um, how you got into this uh, into this large format thing. Sure. Well. Um... Firstly, I can I can say that I I sort of prepared for the banter in this uh, uh, episode, so I, I I brew myself a cup of uh, of um, Lipton Yellow Label, uh, and so so now I, I felt like I, I was ready for the for the for the Sweden stuff, but I'm actually from Norway, the the country in between uh, England and and Sweden, uh, or maybe that's Denmark. I don't know. Um, and uh, I started with photography very late. I was probably 33 and now I'm 38. Uh, I started with digital. I started with sport. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Sveen. You just had, if you can just go back a few seconds, if you, if you could. We just, we just lost you there. Um, so uh, oh, we, we got up to the bit about you being 38. Okay. Well, I, um, I started in sports photography uh, with digital. Uh, and then uh, my photography interest uh, grew from there, and 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 I discovered uh, that film wasn't dead, and uh, I, that sort of film or the analog process was sort of like the answer I was looking for, uh, because I felt like my digital work was just—I I mean, I was watching YouTube tutorials and I was buying these uh, post-processing classes. 
uh, for hundreds of dollars and and uh, for hours I was doing luminosity masking and and compositing in Photoshop and and uh, it felt like there was nothing you if you just took the the image in, in a in a general direction of what I what I wanted and and used an aperture that wasn't sort of crazy uh, you could just fix it in post and and so I was a a digital artist or I was a uh, a photoshop um, photographer I, I felt I didn't feel like I was a photographer and uh, the the part of being in the photographic process uh, in the field uh, was more so uh, when I discovered a way where it was much much harder to do corrections uh, and also gave a look that I wanted and I remember scrolling through Instagram and and just seeing this maybe one of 50 images just stood out and and uh, when I clicked on them uh, they always had a tagline of either Ilford or Kodak and and um, well yeah so that maybe jump into the whole analog uh, world and and uh, I haven't looked back since and um, of course started buying gear like everyone else and I bought a um, a four by five a Calumet uh, monorail uh, and of course that's the worst camera you can start off with uh, <laughs> no 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 if you if you if you just let me finish the sentence Andrew. <laughs> Uh, when you want to go on trips in the field uh, and you want to do large format, maybe a, a, a steel monorail is not the best choice. That I should have should have said that. But but um, I suddenly loved the experience, and and uh, after a few years, I bought an Intrepid, and uh, I had some uh, experience with. Uh, I bought a Shenhao and sold it again, and I had six by seventeen bags for it, and I sold those, and I had a ninety mil, and I sold that, and I, so I s- sort of ended up paring down to this one kit in large format that I that I uh, use the most, which is like a normal lens and and uh, twelve holders and uh, and uh, and a field camera, so. So I don't I don't shoot large format every time I go out, but uh, the one of the processes that I'm uh, currently in is uh, scaling down on on the uh, medium format and uh, 35 mil, and sort of hoping that I can go more into large format uh, in all my projects and just just basically do that and and keep the the medium format for. For family and for snapshots and for trips where uh, it's not appreciated if I just walk away for two, three hours to take one picture with, with a large format camera. So, yeah. So, so you're, you're a, you, you do a lot of sports and a lot of digital photography professionally and, and such, but what kind of photography do you do when you go out there with, with large format? Well, I try to be in the category of fine art, uh, although I don't know what that is. But it's it. I don't think it. I fall in the other categories, so I must be in that one. So <laughs> that's how I look at it, because it's not landscape per se, but uh, I don't know. So, but I but I am a 
a quote unquote professional photographer in the sense that I have a business and I am a freelancer for newspapers and I do school photography um, and some real estate photography uh, all on digital. But I sort of have this side gig where I try to, to do art and that is on film and, and analog processes in darkroom and stuff. Well, one of the well, one of the the big reasons why we wanted to talk to you is for just regarding the the, the podcast that you do. It is it is very much talking to people about projects, and um, projects are something that is very very close to you. And whenever we've had you know conversations offline, you've uh, sort of pushed me. Am I doing any projects at the moment? And I say no, I don't do projects. And you say, <laughs> well, you should, you should, and I know I should, and you and you're quite right. And uh, and and certainly um, the episode we did with uh, Alice Tomlinson um, was was quite revealing uh, for me uh, for the first time about projects because uh, I remember um, looking at her photographs, which are. Um, of good photographs in their own right but it was like when she won sony world photographer of the year um, a few years ago um you in, initially you tend to focus on the the, the main photograph of a, of, a, of a piece of work and you look at you and think well this is is that one of the best photographs you've that's going to be here this year and you and you can question that um and sometimes you can see a, a photograph that individually is 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 quite amazing but it's it's is by itself yet where she where she won that award was because of a body of work and it was part of a project and when you start to look at that body of work and you listen to Alice and you read what that she said then those those words and and uh, and you know whether it be written or what's uh, what's what she said um, start to infuse themselves with the rest of the of, of the project, and it, and it then becomes you. You start to think, wow, this is an amazing piece of work because everything hangs together. It's not one photograph; it's a body of work, and and I I, I now understand that. And uh, but that's that's would that be a, a a fair way of representing what projects mean to you? Yeah, that, that's that's what I think too, and and. Uh the the submerging in in one topic or one idea uh and just sort of seeing where that goes and 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 keeping the advice from from Borut in in mind uh, about that the the whole process is a part of the art um hmm. so that's that's what i i'm going to do from now on because i i felt the he spoke directly to me and and because I've been very goal driven in my projects, I, I I need to see some result before I can sort of go further. Or, but that's sort of that's the wrong way around. I should just uh, this is my project, and and this is the images that I, I came out of it. And when I feel finished about it, uh, then I move on to the next idea. Or, so. Uh, and you know, you're, you're right with the interview with with Alice. I heard that too, and and I also was taken back by, like, she couldn't remember what lens she was using, and and sort of that that just blew my mind. I, I was, I was, uh, I'm so technical, or I was so technical that 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 sort of that was my first question because I loved her images, and I was wondering, uh, I wonder what kind of lens. 
Uh, so that's that's just being stupid because that's not seeing the 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 project uh, for what it is. And so uh, those images, you know, those interviews that you've had with Alice and uh, and others, and now uh, Borut, have slowly made me uh, sort of not a better photographer, but it's probably a better photographer in the sense that I now focus on the right things. And um, yeah, so I, I I certainly understand what you're saying, and and I think you're correct in your uh, thought process there. I think your goal-driven side probably comes from the fact that this is your business as well, isn't it? You know, not not the large format side at the moment, but the you know having to have deadlines and having to have results because you know, your income depends depends on it. And yeah. I suppose I suppose it's about putting your head in a different place. And and you're right, Borat was very helpful there. And um, you, you've got to almost switch that goal orientation off. And um, if I say go with the flow, that sounds awfully wishy washy, <laughs> doesn't it? But um, you know, not get not beat yourself up too much. You know, because there's nothing there's nothing quick and hurried about this generally, anyway, unless you're using a handheld four by five camera but generally speaking if you if you've got a long-term project in mind then it's it's something that may never you may never finish or you or you may come to a point where you pause it and put it on the back seat yeah and then you have to think well are there you know are there words that might go with this am i am i trying to express um, a feeling i have about this idea or this place um, or is it just the aesthetics that are drawing me to it? Because that's fine as well. You know, there's no right or wrong reasons why we photograph things. It's all very, very personal. But I, th- I think it's very easy to beat yourself up over it and 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 start making putting undue pressure on yeah. yourself. Yeah, and uh, for instance, I have this idea uh, about a project um, photographing all the. Um, the stave churches in in Norway, mm-hmm. and that that will take me uh, at least ten years, I guess. Yeah. And I haven't I haven't photographed one of them uh, so far. Um, <laughs> so it's how it's long, a long way. How long's the long project way. been running? <laughs> ten years. <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about it for from almost a year now, and um, but that and, and and I keep sort of stopping that project because. I know that if I have two days or one day to 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 travel to this church and photograph it, uh, it's going to be not the greatest photograph of that church. Uh, if it's over overcast or blue skies or you know you never know. So, but that that's sort of thinking about the project in in the wrong way because that's preventing me from actually doing the project because I'm waiting for the perfect whatever and and still if everything is perfect i'm not going to uh, have a create a better photograph than the 50 local photographers that live around that church but the thing that i will have that they don't have is the collection is is the project it's about the journey for me the thought process the year i was thinking about it the the traveling all over Norway, photographing those uh, stave churches. I, I don't even know if that's ever been done by one photographer. Um, 
so I just needed to sort of switch my brain off the uh, the, the the end result the end, the goal oriented um, result driven um, w- thinking because it's not that important and and uh, the importance is the completion of the body of work and if at the end of that if when I have or 25 uh, I've done all of them sorry, sorry Sveen we just lost you again for a few seconds oh um, how, when, how, you, when, you, when you have that body of work and then I think that was a bit where we lost you okay um, yeah when you're when you're done photographing all, all the churches uh, you've aged 10 years and, and you then know uh, maybe you have a clearer Im- uh, picture of uh, if you're going to have Maybe you have audio with this exhibition, or you. If it's, uh, this is only a book, uh, will there be written words? Will you write them? Will, will maybe an historian write the words, the company or uh, pictures? And so, I I can sit here and think about all those things, and I can plan about all those things, but until I actually start the photographing and the the driving and. Uh, and seeing, for instance, the first uh, image that I do of a, one of the churches where the weather was horrible. So why uh, or what do I do then? What, how can I impl- implement that picture into the story without having to go back on a different day? And uh, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I'm just just you know thinking about that as a project, and it, it seems to me that that is the it's almost like the the ultimate goal driven project, um, because you've got a, a a finite number you've identified that you want to try and get all of them. So, I I, I for for me I, yeah I mean I I don't under, I don't understand how you can possibly make that as a project and not have it goal goal driven. But the other thing that just listening to you there I, I think to myself well is this project even is is it capable of uh, being achieved and and the other part that then that comes on to there is does it matter um mm-hmm. and yeah because you could argue you could, this this project could could just exist in your head and you think about it and that's good enough mm. yeah and and uh, i don't think that i don't think the project is necessarily goal driven but there can be a goal to the to the project there can be an end result i don't think that's uh, a wrong way of looking at it but as long as the it's not the number of images that are driving me it's sort of the experience and the journey and and how if i take one image next week and the last image in nine and a half years uh, you can also see the journey of me in those images probably and um, so in some ways uh, all projects will be goal driven uh, in the sense if if there is a result uh, and but I, I see your point and that's also a, a, a important thing to think about um, maybe maybe not think about necessarily the the end results now but let that also evolve as you do the project I, th- I think I think you can you I don't when I say you I mean one can um, 
spend so much time with angst-driven thoughts about these sort of things. Um, and I, what struck me most about what you've just said is, if, the, if this project takes 10 years or however long it takes, um, the end result, yeah, it's there's a goal there, but actually it's, it is the journey, and I think that's what strikes me. And I think that's what, um, that's the way Borat is changing his approach to photography. It's a, everything he does in that pursuit of the ultimate um, image all hangs together to, you know, make, put him in a, in a better place to help him grow as a person, as a human being and develop his, uh, you know, his, his, his sense of how he understands his relationship with, with, with the world around him. And you can call it the journey if you want that you're on. And you'll probably learn stuff about yourself. You'll probably learn something about the cameras you're using and the equipment. Uh, you may well turn up and you think, well, actually, you thought the weather was going to be doing this, that or the other, and it's completely different. But actually, that, they're not, that, that could well open up other creative opportunities for you to shoot in a way that you weren't planning to. So I don't think there's anything really... Uh, as, as um, bad weather, really, I think you can probably make uh, what you want of it as you arrive. But the whole process, you know, is can be very ritualistic. And that's what Borat was talking about, wasn't it? In terms of, you know, the preparation, the thought processes, the journey you're on physically in the car. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the it, it's a very mindful, almost meditative process. The whole thing can be. And I think that's that's great, and it, uh, and to be honest, even if you come out at the end of it with, you know, with work that you never do anything with, it's I think it's been for you. It's been a really worthwhile um, exercise. I agree, and and um, and also I just if I imagine myself having a eleven-hour drive just to shoot that one church, the the quote-unquote old me would just sort of cover all my bases. I would have four cameras. I would have uh, like uh, all my sheets loaded and, uh, and I would do all angles because I knew that I wasn't going, coming back here. Um, and so that's also sort of the wrong way of, of doing it because uh, n now I feel like I'm looking forward to that journey and reflecting on the way there and thinking about uh, maybe I can think about the weather and I can, but, but the, the main goal is to uh, sort of open up to what happens when I'm there. And, um, and like uh, Borut said uh, in his, in the interview that if you don't, if you end up with not um, taking any images or if you break all your glass plates on the way there, uh, that's just life. You, you just let it, you, do, you don't get upset. You don't sort of let it control you. You just sort of um, deal with it. And you, you recognize the emotion and you own it. That's effectively what you're saying, I think. Yeah. You don't let so, the emotion take control. It'd be very easy to say, right, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm done with all this. I'm going to move to digital photography. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and sort of trusting yourself and trusting your gear. And uh, and not sort of I knew I know that even if I brought like a, a medium for my camera just in case, even if I did that and the large format 
the breaks and I have to use the medium format, I can't put those images in in the project anyway because sort of that would mess with my head, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's just an example, and and I have like ten or fifteen of those projects. Some of which are are in I'm in the middle of, and some of which I haven't begun yet. And so that's that's in a sense that's why I feel like I'm project driven, and that's yeah. why I like the the podcast to be project driven and and interview folks about their projects and and sort of sharing that sort of thing. And, and I feel like the podcast is supposed to be. Sort of like if you if you find the 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 person I'm interviewing interesting, you keep listening. Or if you find the projects interesting or the thought process interesting, you keep listening. But but there is no sort of like we don't read emails. We don't have a, like a standard uh, thing. So if you if you listen five minutes and and you don't like the subject or the person, then then you don't listen anymore because it's, there's no nothing to miss about that episode and you can just try the next one and see if that resonates better and as you grow maybe you can go back and listen to that guy you you really hated and his nonsense and then see if maybe you've changed and and he was right all along you 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 mentioned that you um, have several projects ongoing and i'm just wondering how you how you actually manage that um because do you do you find that sometimes some projects overlap with each other and if they do how do you how do you deal with that situation i I don't have any projects that overlap i think but i can have projects that are sort of similar in in thought process or end result and that sort of scares me a little bit if i if i have two projects that i'm close to ending and both of them are going to be zines then I sort of feel like I can't do both at the same time and I have to slow down one of them. And uh, that's just stupidness, uh, I guess. But so I, I mostly it's very different projects in terms of uh, locations and gear and, and thought process and, uh, and uh, timeline and end results. And some, some of the projects are, are idea driven that I have this thought about something the other projects are more like that I find something very interesting. For instance, there's a there's an old postal road in in uh, my part of the country where the post service uh, went twice a week from Bergen to Trondheim, and uh, the, with sort of a boat across the fjord and then walking over every mountain, and then and then uh, after a few hundred years, they started to build uh, like a gravel road uh, and. Uh, along the way, they sort of threatened farmers to feed the postal workers, and there's there's so many stories of robberies and murders and whatever, and and that sort of that road fascinates me. But I don't have a end goal in mind, and I don't have I don't know what to do with it. But that I know that that someday is going to be a project that I'm somehow going to photograph in some way. So. It's a, it varies how, how I treat my my ideas and my projects. That sounds like one that you know w- words accompanying words. So when does a project need accompanying words? I think that sounds like one where words would be invaluable in terms of placing the project in some kind of 
in some kind of context. Otherwise, you, you know, you end up with a series of images that have very, very little meaning unless you know some of something of the story. So I think I th when words and pictures can come together, I think that's, I think that's yeah. really powerful. It doesn't need to be that way, you know, it doesn't need to be that way at all, but I think it can be. And I, and I think don't be phased by having lots of different ideas and projects. Um, take, take the mindfulness approach. Um, don't let it, don't let it worry you. Um, just enjoy it and enjoy the journey. You know I mean? That's easy for me to say. I don't have to make a living through, uh, through <laughs> photography. Well, I don't, um, I don't actually make a living, um, from that uh, side of it. No, it's no, just a huge money drain. Yeah. So, so, um, I don't even think about that aspect and I don't even like that. I, I, I'm not that kind of guy that can sort of sell my own stuff, I think. So I just, I just do the projects uh, basically. And then if something changes about uh, how I sell stuff and if I start to sell stuff, uh, I hope that I don't change the approach because that's, uh, that's an easy trap to fall into. If you, if you feel like, well, this local town here probably w wants to see uh, an exhibition of those kinds of buildings, and, uh, and then you end up looking at it as work. And yeah. Well, can I ask you a question uh, in return, Simon? Yes. Sure. Um, what kind of projects are in your head, or what kind of <laughs> uh, what 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 are you doing right now uh, in terms of planning? Buying cameras. <laughs> that seems like the best project to me. Uh, buy gear. Um, then I don't have to take any photographs because uh, that's that's taking up my time. Um, if, if you don't, yeah. don't if you don't don't think about gear or or film because I, I do that too. But is there is is there an anything like like for instance a, a road or or a type of buildings or a type of boats or uh, isn't there something you want to create into a project? Well, there was there was something that happened when we a, a couple of shows back when we had Peter Defty on, and uh, he did something uh, where he um, took um, effectively abstract shapes in the environment in 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 cities and towns, and he then mm. created letters from them. And I thought that was just right. a yeah. really, really good thing to do. And at the I time, I was, I was quite fired up, and I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to do this. And, and like most <laughs> things, I then completely forgot about it. Um, so thank you for putting that one back in, into my head. Um, because uh, and, that, and actually, that's thinking about it, um, and this is probably something I also won't do, um, is, uh, and, it, and it doesn't really lend itself to, to large format, I've got to say, um, is about, you know, all the things around the home that I could create, uh, that, that A to Z or A to Z for our American listeners. Um, so, uh, that, that's, that's, that's gotta be a lot more doable actually than walking around a city taking, uh, taking rooftops and, uh, and lamps and things, trying, trying to get an arch is just to kind of get the, the, the right kind of shape so you can manipulate into, in, into letters. Um, 
So, uh, but whether that that to me doesn't it, it doesn't sound like it's got a great deal of worth yeah, compared to like uh, the stuff that um, Peter was doing and uh, the, and the and the work that you're trying to create as well. But sometimes that isn't really the point of a project, is it? It's it's about doing something, and then it's that journey, and you learn things when you when you when you do a project because it forces you to think in a certain way doesn't it i guess and uh and like yeah. a lot of constraints um if you've got to do something in a certain way or whatever then it, it makes you think differently about the, the way that you're taking your photographs and forces you to do things in a certain way that you might not necessarily be used to doing do you have to um, and this is a kind of rhetorical question i'm throwing it out there does there have to be a point to one's photography or 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 not does it have to be a point no i don't think so and i think the the ones that let go of the of that idea is the ones that probably finds themselves faster i guess i don't know i d I, d I don't know we're talking about projects and some folks listening might think well you know, I'm, this is all very worthy, and uh, you know, I've got it. We've, we've, you, you've got to have a project, and I don't think we're. I don't think no. you do really. You can just pick up a camera, whether it's large format or, and just enjoy it. You know, you don't have yeah. to be. You don't. But there's, I think, there's something that eventually takes us all over to think. Well, actually, you know, I probably in my head is saying, well, you should be doing something a bit more with this. In terms of pushing you on and developing yourself, and and I and I get sucked into that as well, and and I think there's I think it's a reasonable thing, but don't don't think that you have to be you know pursuing a these don't goals stress about it, don't stress about it, yeah, yeah, don't sweat it, and and if you if you really like the sort of technical aspects of photography, uh, that can be sort of a project too, mm, and, and and absolutely, and it can be. You can turn it uh, uh, around and say, and if you if you sort of if you look through uh, all the images and you find that, for instance, uh, all your images from that lens or that combo uh, was great, then you can turn that into a project, and you don't have to necessarily photograph anything else, but you can you can create that into a zine and call the zine something that will give me the, the viewers a hint of, of uh, that this is all done with one lens or and and uh, you can also you can also think about it in a, in a sense that if you if you want to do that letter project Simon and at the same time embrace that you really like gear you can maybe I, I listened to you um, talking about the two lenses that you brought on that trip one you like the end result and the other you like the experience yeah and you can sort of if you think that i i want to do this letter project uh, but i also want to use a specific type of gear you can you can sort of combine the interest you can you, you can force yourself to you to do that project on with sort of one type of lens or one lens or one gear or one camera uh, so that that I think that in all of the the projects and all of the ways of doing photography are are equally worthy. Uh, it's just that for me, I like the the idea of a project because to me it makes more sense and and it has more worth to me. Uh, 
uh, either finishing or not finishing it, and I learn a lot more than than uh, yeah than I would do if I if I sort of went the other way. So, sometimes projects can sort of develop in a fairly unintentional manner. I think I don't know about you. You, you I find myself in the darkroom sometimes and. And I produce an image, and I think, oh, actually, you know, there's something here I could pursue further, and that's, you know, uh, and that could develop into something or, or not. But the, your projects don't have to be thoroughly well planned out in advance. They can kind of evolve. And I, t- I take heart from um, the great John Blakemore, who actually, Simon, I think I'm going to approach and see if we can see if he'll come on and talk to us. But John. Um, John sat at home, I don't know when it was, 1980s, and uh, looked across. He was bored one day, sat in his kitchen, sat at his kitchen desk, and he noticed some daffodils in um, in a vase, a vase, for again, for our American. <laughs> and he noticed the way the light was catching these daffodils. And I think um, maybe at the same time there were some that were starting to be past their best so he took some took some pictures and i think probably at the time it might have been with his 35 millimeter nickel mat or it could have been with his uh, um, mpp camera and then he's left the daffodils to sort of die a bit and, and took more pictures of them and then he started arranging dead daffodils in in uh, to make a composition of dead leaves and daffodils, and he combined that with very very fine art print making. Uh, he he played with tonality, played with tones. He then started looking at nineteenth century f- collectors of Victorian collectors of things, and uh, how they would sometimes um, uh, gather all these things together in a very artistic way, the things they're collecting. And he started arranging whole sets based around flowers and daffodils and photographing those. And this, this whole thing took on, he became obsessed with daffodils. And in fact, if you follow him on Twitter, he's now starting to photograph daffodils again, but this time with his digital cameras, he's rediscovered his love for daffodils. But this started as just an observation on a table and it developed into a very, very powerful set of, uh, uh, darkroom prints of, of of daffodils, and then he started looking at layers in still life of photographing um, photographing the soil, and then how uh, some found objects in the garden making double exposures, and uh, and then he started out in the out in the wild. He was looking at uh, moving rivers and how to capture energy within nature, and so these things developed, and they developed often from very very small seeds. And it wasn't something he, he did a lot of thought about, but it, it kind of developed. And so I, I and he did it all with one camera and one lens, which is even which is even better. And mm. I think he'd be a fascinating guest if we can get him on the, yeah. the show at some point. So yeah, mm. projects can start from little observations, yeah, and take on a life of their own. Yeah. Well, I know that um, we're quite short on time. Uh, uh, with Sveen today so I, I think that's probably a, a, a good place to start to um, draw uh, things um, to, to a close um, mm-hmm. are there, uh, Sveen are there any other is, is there anything else while we've got you that um, you think oh we, we really need to talk about something no uh, I think we've the, 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 the main thing that are 
going through my head these days are are that what we just spoke about about um, stressing down and about enjoying it and if that's a project that then cool and if if it's if it's other things then that's okay too yeah. so yeah that's that's what I'm thinking about every free minute I have is is uh, how can I stress down about <laughs> Uh, all my projects and, and be more like like Borat. That's that's my that's my goal. It sounds like you're thinking about it way too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. So that's, yeah, that's that's the next stage. And of course, there's going to be some people out there. Um, and I've got to say, I, I think I probably count myself among there, that, uh, amongst them. That really, if if I haven't got a goal, I don't think I could actually do it. I think it's. I that's think, interesting. Yeah, and um, so. Yeah, there's, there's there's more than there's absolutely more than one way to uh, to, to to do a project and um, and because at the end of the day we we're just all, we're motivated differently and I I absolutely get uh, where you come from I understand the, the how uh, listening to Borat has, uh, uh, has has affected you and it's affected me as well and uh, but I'm not a project shooter but I'm thinking that I probably would at least for a, say for a first project I would need a goal. Otherwise, it'll never get done. And and yes, we can say, well, it doesn't matter if it never gets done or not. Well, actually, it probably does, in my opinion, <laughs> anyway. Um, so um, so yeah, so it's a it's a case of it's it's what works best best for you. And yeah, when I say you, I'm talking about I'm, our, our, our listeners now. And you know, if if letting go um, is is a is a good thing to do for 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 people then that that that's great um but it can also be a case of nothing gets done so yeah also you have different uh different strokes different folks isn't it really that's a good point but anyway on the on that because i know that we can probably start kick off another part of a conversation there um so um Sveen, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show um uh, how can people uh, take a look at your work what's the best way to to follow the things that you do both visually and uh, audio wise well um i do have the the podcast the viewfinder vikings podcast where uh, I interview uh, other photographers or artists, and uh, sometimes I do it with Ian, and sometimes I do it alone, and sometimes he does uh, interviews alone, and uh, we also do solo shows. Uh, but the, if we're talking photography, the, the main um, channel is Instagram. Uh, that's where I upload the most, and... Um, uh, yeah, so that's uh, just uh, at Humberset Photo with with a F O T O at the end, uh, which is the Norwegian spelling of the word, and the Swedish, I guess. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you uh, do you have any shout outs you might want to give? Well, I have to shout out. I give a shout out to Borut and to Ian and to Alice and to everyone else that inspires me uh, to to do the projects my way and not uh, try to emulate everyone else. I thought you were going to say everyone else who knows me then. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's been it's been great having that chat. Um, mm -hmm. Andrew, have, yeah. uh, you got anything else you need to get off your chest or should we go straight to shout-outs well, like, and things? I'll, well, it is kind of, yes, shout-outs. So I'd like to just 
draw people's attention to John Blakemore's website. I've just brought it up while we've been finishing the show. So johnblakemore.co.uk, and if you go to prints, you can see Tulip Still Life, Tulip Kitchen series, Early Landscapes, Rocks and Tides, Tulip Mania, Wind series, Tulips Petals. Anyway, if you want to see photographs of tulips, check out, uh, and fine art photographs of tulips, check out John Blakemore's uh, website. And uh, so, Andrew, outside of this uh, podcast, how can people keep up with you? They can keep up with me on most social media outlets, such as Twitter and Instagram, as Warboys Snapper, and also uh, mostly every couple of weeks on the Lensless podcast. And I just remembered we should also, because we didn't say it, we put it into the notes uh, in the last show, but we we really do need to say it. Um, If you haven't already Mm -hmm. worked it out for yourself, but the the large format photography podcast Gathering in the Forest 2020, to give it its uh, correct name, has been cancelled. And so uh, we will do that when, as soon as we can, when things get back to a point where, uh, there's a level of normality who knows how long that's going to be um mm. and what the new normal is going to be and all of all of those things so uh, it will happen uh, one day we're going to stay optimistic it will happen again we will meet again um and uh, but it won't don't know be where a- don't know when <laughs> exactly exactly um so uh yeah so so there's that um i've got a shout out uh, i just want to give to kate miller wilson uh one of our uh, previous guests um and and that's just that you know she did some amazing stuff recently by um statically shocking uh, photographs which we uh, we touched upon um mm-hmm. and now she's she's clearly got bored of doing that and uh, she's now moved on to wet plate um so uh, head over to kate miller wilson's uh, instagram page uh, feed i should say and you'll see uh, that she's uh, she's now doing wet plate and she's putting up um, shots that she's not entirely happy with as well and she's talking about oh I've done this this time now and, uh, and the one I've, I've, I've seen uh, latest is uh, you know she's um, spe- speeding up the development process and getting better results for it so uh, you can um, follow along with uh, with Kate's progress on, on Instagram there so it's well worth a watch because you know her photographs are, are wonderful um, as we already know um, mm-hmm. Uh, so um, for me, uh, I can be found on Twitter as Simon Four. That's uh, Four as in F O R. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Um, I have a website which is uh, Simon Forster Photographic.co.uk where you can buy lens caps. That seems to be all I'm doing at the moment is making lens caps for, uh, unfortunately, not large format cameras, but uh, some of the more obscure, uh, um, older. Uh, SLR lenses uh, for 35mm and, and some medium formats as well now. But, but more importantly rear lens caps because they're the ones that are sometimes tricky to find aren't they? Yeah they are, they're the rear lens caps I'm, I'm actually just about re- I've done a practicum, a Pentacon 6 body cap as well as the rear cap which is uh, just about to get launched and uh, you can not the body caps but the uh, the, the lens caps I've, I'm, you can get them in glow in the dark as well uh, which has uh, got to be good fun <laughs> um yeah. And uh, you can hear me usually once a week uh, on the Classic Lenses podcast as well. Um, and I think that's... that's oh, something, something's going crackling there. Hopefully it's not under this end. Um, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. So um, 
uh, Sveen, it's been brilliant having you on the show. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And uh, so that's it. So um, hope you enjoyed the, the show and we'll be back in about a fortnight. So goodbye. Bye. See ya.